and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hello everyone, welcome, welcome as always to another episode of the Flying Changes Mindset and Performance Show live here today and I am thrilled to welcome Charlotte Colley this morning. Morning Charlotte. Good morning, lovely to be here. Thank you very much for coming. Um, now, um, some of you may or may not know of Charlotte. She is the quiet, the quiet one that sits behind everything because Charlotte is the, uh, the well, she's the spreadsheet extraordinaire behind her here creative, but she's also um, a photographer, an incredible photographer. Um, I can say that now because uh, we've had our photo shoot and I can absolutely assure you they are gorgeous. Well, the, the few of them she sent me out of the billions that we no doubt got over two days. Um, so, um, Charlotte, tell us just a little bit about what you do in your own words and, and, um, and how, how you've come to be sat in my Q&A chair this morning. Yeah, it's um, quite a long story, but I'll try and condense it. Okay. <laughs> um, I never set out to be a photographer. It's just one of those things that happened. I've got a horsey background, so I did pony club and all those things when I was younger. And there's a chap in my pony club called Miles from Top Shots Photography who about 11, 12 years ago, set up his photography company. And he was friends with me and said, you're quite techy. You, you'll probably be able to work a camera. His camera is take photos of horses. Come and work for me. And 12 years later, I'm still doing it because I sort of got the bug um, and I just couldn't shake it off. And I've always loved, especially capturing action. I love doing dance photography, rugby photography, obviously horses all things horses, any form of equestrian photography, I absolutely love. Um, and for me, it's all about capturing moments and just freezing th those memories in time, whether it's an event, whether it's a portrait shoot or a commercial photo shoot, it's just being able to see things as they're about to happen and know when to press that shutter. And that's what I really, really love about what I do. Awesome. And we're going to get on to that later because that is that is the skill, the challenge, the uh, the mindset of a photographer isn't it? is capturing that moment. And you don't necessarily know what that moment's going to be sometimes. No. Either, do you? <laughs> yeah, when it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, if it's often, going to happen at all. Yeah, often catches you by surprise. So, yeah, just always being ready. With yeah the show, just in case <laughs> awesome okay so we will we're going to cover today we're going to we're going to talk about some different elements of photography so we're not really going to talk about you know how do you get a good picture or what is it that you love I mean we'll talk about that as well a little bit what is it you love obviously but we thought we'd talk today about a little bit to do with the mindset of the photographer mm. and the challenges that you have behind the lens so we all see the lovely lovely results and you know purchase our gorgeous pictures or you know have them in portfolio or whatever it is that we're doing um but i think a lot of the time you are the kind of forgotten hero almost of the event aren't you because if we think about event photography particularly you know riding event photography we all go out and we do our thing what have you and then we want that picture to remember it by and i know i've sat so many times thinking oh i'll have a look and see if there's a good picture and we are so critical yeah of ourselves like what's what's it like the flip side of that lens when you know you're trying to capture that moment for someone? What's that like? It's it's interesting because luckily I've been on both sides of it. So I've done the sales as well as the photography. And that really, really helps because 
learning what the riders want, what you're looking for, helps me when I'm going through those photos, deciding which ones to keep, which ones to not keep, and when I'm waiting to take that image. So dressage is a lot easier because you've got time to choose your moments and choose your angles a bit. So I'll wait. If they're cantering around a 20-meter circle and the rider's putting a bit of a funny face, but then two strides later they're looking, they're a bit more relaxed in the face, that's the shot I'll keep because I know they'll be happy with that. Jumping, you kind of don't get that choice. <laughs> if you run a cross-country jump, it is what it is. You know, you do your best, but generally riders are just happy about the fence being big and looking impressive. Um, but it's it's something we have to consider. It's not, The horse has to look good and the rider has to be happy with themselves. And it's amazing the things that people pick up on that we that I didn't even used to see, like the little facial expressions or, oh, my elbow's at a funny angle or my toe's at a funny angle. And the things that will stop people buying a photo. And I, it, it makes me die inside because I think, oh, but that's an amazing memory of your horse at that event. And I just hope that people might go back one day and get that photo because that event meant something to them and try and look past the little things that when it's on a nine by six print, you can't really see anyway. Yeah, that must be that must be quite difficult to deal with, actually, if you think about it, because you've taken what is a good photo from a photo mm -hmm. perspective, you know, and everything's in, like in focus, <laughs> you know, and, like all of that kind of side and frame nicely. And, you know, the horse looks good or whatever. And then someone's going, oh, no, I can't do that. I've got two chins or I'm pulling a funny face yeah. or like you say, my, my legs in the wrong place. And my arms are too straight or whatever. And it's important what, just, what you're saying that photos like then yeah, almost straight up saying that's rubbish. And you think, oh gosh, I took that, but okay. And what but have you done over the years to kind of get over that then? Because you, you've been in it long enough now to grow yeah. a little bit of a thick skin there. So what's the kind of things that you you hear and then as a, as a photographer, you kind of like bite your tongue or let go or, you know, deal yeah, with that? It's yeah, it's often things like, oh, I'm, my mouth's open or oh, I wish he'd pricked his ears or oh, my double chin, and I just think there's nothing I could do about that. Well, I could theoretically Photoshop those things, but then it's not a real photo. And I get that a lot with, like, headshot photography. I've done a lot of school photography as well, and teachers are the worst for it. Every single one, without fail, can you Photoshop me? Can you make me look thinner? Can you make me look this? And I just, I just want to say, it doesn't matter. It's you. Please, you know, please, I'll, I'll do my best to make you a flattering photo as possible. But it is you. You know, this is, this is it in the moment. This is an image of you. And if I distort that beyond all reality, then it's not, it's not the truth anymore. It's not an accurate portrayal. And now I know there's some people that like that. But I, I, as a photographer, I like to just capture what's in front of me the best I can and not mess with it too much. Because I think authenticity is so important. And that's definitely one of your values, isn't it? Authenticity. And so how do you find it then being a values driven photographer when actually you are essentially you're an artist in that you're producing something gorgeous for people and you understand the lighting and the framing and all. And I know nothing about photography, so I'll never clue. Um, I do everything on automatic mode. That's it. I, I'm not a clue. So um, but but at the same time, you're trying to produce something for someone else that's going to appreciate it. But you still want to, like you say, align with your values, align with what's important to you. How do you how do you manage that balance of what the client wants and what you find right for you as a photographer? I think the important thing is 
if we're talking about things like portrait and commercial photography in particular, is educating potential clients and existing clients about what you do. So if someone turned around to me and said, I want you to do some wedding photos and I want all of the amazing poses and it almost looked like fashion photography, I would say, sorry, that's not what I do. And I think it's really important for photographers to know when to say no and say, that's not, that's not my bag. That's not my style. There is someone out there who'll do that. There are some photographers I know who are amazing natural light photographers, won't use studio lights and don't do photo, don't really do any Photoshop. And that's great because if you want that style, then they're the ones for you. And there's other people who do amazing studio work. There's some people who do amazing, <coughs> Alice, yeah, getting me, Alice getting me to shoot her wedding because I'm, so my sort of style, if I'm doing events at wedding, is more reportage. So I'm, I try and be as sneaky as possible and not let people know I'm there. And that for me is the challenge to, to capture the moments that people even know I've got them. So when someone goes and goes, oh, I didn't even know you took that photo. That's great. That's a win for me. But there, there's a, there is a photographer out there for everyone. And I think as photographers, we all have come to accept that and just know that you can't please everyone. Stick to what your values, your style, and what you're good at and just find the people that match with that because there are lots of people out there who want photos and lots of people willing to take those photos it's just matching us all up with each other yeah I love that I think that's absolutely key isn't it and I think that's the same with any kind of artist if you want to call it that you know like it it's not that their style's no good or wrong it's just it doesn't match with what you like and go and find someone that does I have to say for for my wedding I definitely wanted the sneakies because I wanted someone to capture the day and the emotion behind it yeah so tell us then a bit about you know capturing the emotion and the feeling because um, as, as someone who literally does everything on auto um, and mostly on my iPhone to be fair as well I haven't got a clue about how you work out how you capture that essence of like what's really in that photo. But for you then, how how do you know when it's a, a good photo? How do you know when you've captured what you want? And then it's a bonus as well if also that's what the client wants. Fantastic yeah. as well, you know. <coughs> Sorry, there's there's different elements to it. So you've got the technical side. So you talk about being on auto, and that's just one element of it. So that's just the camera settings, which without going into too much detail, that tells the camera sensor how much light it's letting in, the colour balance, all those things that make up the technical element of the photo. Then my input, so I could shoot on auto. You know, I could just choose to shoot on auto, that's fine. Sometimes I shoot on manual, sometimes I do shoot on partial auto because I've got other things to worry about. And there's a, a wonderful photographer, I can't remember which one of them said it, there's Emily Hancock, and Hannah Freeland, who are both great photography mentors. And they said something that really I believe in too, about worrying about your settings should not stop you from capturing what's in front of you. Rather shoot on auto and get the timing right and capture that moment that you're talking about than be faffing around the back of your camera and missing the horse and rider having an absolute wonderful interaction that you could have got a beautiful photo of. So it's striking the balance for me between getting my camera through the technical work and then my job is looking at the framing, <clears throat> which is the crop and everything that's going on around the photo. I'm always looking at backgrounds and things like, oh, there's that wheelie bin over there or that ambulance if you're in an event. How can I 
position myself so that's not distracting in the frame? Or can I get a bit lower to get a different angle? <coughs> so with dogs, for example, get really low to the ground because their eyeline is low. And it's little things like that that all build up to make the picture. And then the last element is when to press the shutter, which is often the hardest thing. And that's something I think is really hard to teach people. With event photography, it's easier because it's jump, horse going over jump, click, click, click. You can teach someone that. The, uh, the other stuff, the capturing the moments, the emotions and things, it's just time. And I think some people naturally are better at seeing it than others it's a lot of patience because be, i'll be sat there sometimes and it's probably happened on our shoot jenny where i wasn't i'd be there just waiting not taking photos i'm sure alice is over my shoulder thinking she's gonna take a photo in a minute she's just what's she doing but i'm just waiting for things to happen naturally especially when you're working with animals or people who aren't models who aren't used to having a camera in their face going click, 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 click all the time. And you watch any model, they move constantly. So they know to just keep subtly moving every time the camera clicks. But your average person doesn't think like that and people tend to freeze. So it's about me just letting people be people and horses be horses and dogs be dogs and just letting things happen naturally. And that takes time which you don't have at events unfortunately but in a portrait shoot or a commercial shoot if we've got that little bit more time I'd prefer just to let people relax and let the moments happen and then you get those intangible things that you can't create yeah and that you know like you say that's so true when we did our shoot I mean I've done a, a few bits and pieces because obviously we've done you know wedding engagement all that jazz and brand but to have you guys there and actually what was really great was having someone like Alice who is, you know, her job is to distract you and to make you laugh and to do that. How often do you actually have an assistant like that with you? And, and how useful is it to have someone who helps to get that moment when actually you're just waiting for it to happen? Uh, really useful. It, it depends on the subject and what the shoot's about. Um, but for things like portrait shoots and commercial shoots, there are so many reasons why having someone with you is helpful from holding a reflector in the right place to positioning the light for you to doing the distracting job. And you can then, you can then play off each other a bit and then it breaks down the wall between you and the, and the client. You've got the other person there. And I find that really helps me. So I'm not having to worry about constantly talking to the subject because it could be a bit overwhelming. If I'm just constantly saying, do this, do that stand a bit over there it can people can shut down because I'm just being bossy and they're not relaxing whereas having that extra person to bounce off breaks up the dynamic and makes it a bit more relaxed and I can then wait for moments to happen between the assistant and the subject in between some of the more stage shots and I'll still and I'll keep shooting and wait for those to happen so yeah it's, it's absolutely invaluable having someone someone you get on well with to work with you to help create those shots just makes my life so much easier. And so we will get on to event photography because I want to know the mindset behind that because that's really <laughs> interesting. But we're, we're talking about portraiture and commercial. So what 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 would make a commercial shoot? What would make a portrait shoot? What What's the sort of difference between those two just so that people kind of understand this as we're talking about it? So it's all about the end goal for the photos really. So a commercial shoot, depending on the subject, it could be personal branding, 
obviously a bit like yours, Jenny, which was more about you and you interacting with your horse and your dog, that was a bit would be closer to a portrait shoot. But it's thinking more about how the images are going to be used. So the end goal for a commercial shoot is the images are probably going to be used on a website, social media, advertorial, and you're usually getting a product, some sort of product placement in there, things like making sure your logo and your gilet is visible, for example. Very, very important because that is part of the brand. That's what we need to showcase. Whereas for a portrait shoot, I'd be looking at the interaction. I'd be looking at the smiles, the happy horse, the happy owner. And at the end of the day, what I want is someone to want to print that image and put it on their wall. I think I've got one behind me. This is risky because it might not work. Can you see? Oh, there he is. Bob up there. It's a bit small. I need to get a bigger canvas. But that's what my end goal is, for people to have something they want to print on their wall. And that's usually them sharing a moment with their animal or their animal just looking fantastic in an amazing setting and just capturing the essence of that. But that one I've got a Bob up there, his eyes just really pop out. And I love looking at that. So that's the more emotive response. I think for, to portrait photography, you're looking for that emotional hook. Whereas for the commercial photography, you're looking at something that's going to work at the end of the day to sell something, your product or service, and you create scenes that are going to help facilitate that. And so when, you know, because we did two days the other week of uh, a sort of a branding slash commercial suit. So it had a sort of a dual, a dual purpose to it. When you've got that kind of dual purpose, how do you manage the balance of the emotion and the beautiful pictures and things with knowing how it's going to work commercially? Because, well, I mean, I don't know. That's what I was going to ask you, because we've got a, a whole mix in my bag. I've only seen a few of them so far because there's <laughs> billions of them, no doubt. Um, how do you do that? How do you match, manage the balance of the two? I think preparation is really helpful with that. So having a shot list of important things that you know you're going to need. So we had a list of shots that we knew we wanted for your social media, for your website. And it's the same in most commercial shoots. And we'll discuss with the client beforehand what's essential. And then you have your nice-to-haves and your in-between stuff that is just an add-on to that. And that tends to be the more those capture the moments in between things and the slightly more emotive things which tend to happen when you're a bit more relaxed when you know you've got the important shot that oh that's yes we've got that's the website header sorted that image will be perfect for that and then a few seconds later you relax you pat the horse click and then that's a really nice more emotive natural photo which again has a purpose especially for social media those kind of images work really well because they've got that emotional hook which works really well on social media so for me, it just—it's just about knowing I've got—I've got in the bag what I need to get in the bag, and I'm, as you know, I'm a planner, so I have a list or a spreadsheet, or sometimes it's in my head, sometimes it's written down. <coughs> um, sorry about the dog. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just planning beforehand, and then if I've got the preparation right, then I don't have to worry about getting the shot, those certain shots, because I've ticked them off, and then I can just let the other ones happen. We've been joined by your lovely dog there. <laughs> That's all right. We are used to animals. It's fine. It is what we love. It's not a problem. So, okay. So, actually, 
so as with many, many things in life, then planning and preparation are really key to getting the result that you want. So it's like plan, prep, know what you want, and then actually on the day, go with it, be more yeah. relaxed, be more in the moment. Yeah. And so is there anything particular that you do to try and make sure you're in the moment, you're not distracted too much, and you can kind of get that, that moment? Because you've got to, surely you've got to have a certain headspace and mindset for you to be able to capture that correctly. Is there anything that you do or? I think for me, I tend to run through, I tend to visualise in my head where I think the shoot's going to go and what things are going to look like. If I've had a chance to recce at a location beforehand, then I've usually got in my mind where we're going to do things, what order we're going to do things in. And so I know we can just move from place to place and how it's all going to work. <laughs> now, sometimes I don't have that luxury. Like I've done a couple of commercial shoots where it's been alongside a video shoot. So I've been the add-on and I've just been following them around. The videographers get their bit and then I have a couple of minutes to get some shots of that set up and then we move on. So that was a, those are a bit more ad hoc and just have to be really flexible. And the big thing for me is just making sure everything I can control, which is usually my kit myself, is ready to go. I've got backup cars, I've got spare batteries, all that stuff. And I don't have to worry about, oh, I've not got a spare battery. What can I do? I've always got a spare one in the bag. I'm going to get that. Keep shooting. I've got a backup card in my camera, which when we come on to events, we'll talk about that being so, so important. And not worrying about losing images. So now I've got everything twice. Things like that will then put my mind at ease so I can concentrate on taking the photos and not worrying about all the other stuff. And knowing knowing my kit, knowing my camera settings, I, I'd always joke that I could probably take a photo of a horse cantering or jumping my eyes closed because I'd know where all the buttons are on the camera. I can listen to the horse moving and I just instinctively know because I've just done it so many times. And it's that second age thing. I think with anything, if you're practice enough at it and it becomes second nature then it's one less thing to worry about so that's really interesting actually that um because you've done it so much now you you're even tuned in what we call your unconscious competence now you know where everything is you can even get to the point where you can hear the rhythm of the horse particularly mm -hmm. if it's coming to a specific jump or something and and therefore know at what point it's ideally like when we're riding really isn't it be able to do things. Yeah. how much do you think it has really helped you as a, a horse photographer to have ridden and to understand what a horse is likely to do I mean obviously it's always likely never guaranteed yeah, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it's so important I'm not not to say that there aren't some amazing equestrian photographers who've never ridden and we had this conversation with someone the other day about um, a young chap with training up to be a photographer. And he's musical. And when he was being taught to take trot shots and canter shots, he got it so quickly because he understood rhythm. And we're like, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. Because if you can understand rhythm, you'll very quickly learn the way a horse moves and you'll see that repeated pattern and go, yeah, trot, trot. So that was really interesting that actually someone who's completely non-horsey could still get it because he could start to understand the way the horse has moved and the timing of the movement. But for me, that's yeah, so helpful being in, integrated into that system and 
having done things like Pony Club and understanding the mentality of the sport as well as what makes a horse look good, it's sort of almost second-guessing what other things riders might care about. Like the a great example is the patty shots that people are after a fence across country or at the end of a show jumping round, like the smiling and patting of the neck. As a rider myself, I know that's a great shot to have because I know how I was feeling in that moment. If I just jumped a clear round at the Pony Club Championships, I'd be elated. And if that was on camera, I 100% would have bought that photo. So little things like that really help. And some of the best photographers I've worked with are riders and still riding at the moment. There are others who've since given up the riding like myself and are just carrying on. But it's our way to stay involved with horses and just seeing those moments. And almost I find living a little bit vicariously through the riders. Like There's people I'll see event after event after event and I watch the horses as they come up through the levels and you get to know people and it's it's so nice to see them developing and following their journey. You know, it's not just for me, it's not just taking photos. I genuinely do care. You know, if someone if there's a little kid who's had a refusal, you know, without with it not being an issue or the judge giving them encouragement and making sure, you know, they're okay, you know, give it another go, kick on, it's fine. Change your whip into the other hand and you'll be okay. Yeah, you know, I I really want them to have a good time too. And if I capture great images, that's great. But I want the riders to enjoy it as much as possible as well. And, you know, what really hit home then was when you were talking about the, the patting shot as well, mm. that, that you capture the emotion in that image. And I think what, what's definitely coming through today is that it's not just about a picture, is it? It's about you, we don't just buy a picture. No. We buy the memory that that picture is associated with. So what what are the ones that people absolutely love then? What are the memories that people really love to capture that you love to take? I mean, obviously you say the patting one. Are there any others or what's your favourite memory to capture for someone? It's it's not always the victorious ones. Like For some people it is, oh, great, you know, we're at the championship, so we've got to have a picture of that. Sometimes there was a great one I took when I was working for Jasmine Punter at Summerford Premier League I want to say three years ago, for I count the COVID years, um, in the dressage and the horse, beautiful horse, a lovely dressage test in the advanced medium, and then fly bucked through the extended counter all the way along the long side. And I kept shooting, so I thought, oh, well, you know, she might buy it. And she did. And because it was, she'd survived fly bucking, it was spectacular photos. And it for, for that rider, it was a memory. It was, you know, that that happened. And she, she loved that it had been captured. It, she laughed it off. It was just one of those things. And it's different for every rider. So our job is just to keep shooting because you never know what's going to be the meaningful thing. You never know if that's going to be that horse's last event or if it if there's something special. And I sometimes, if I know people, I know the horses, I do know like if it's a significant thing, like they've always had a problem getting to the water and they get to the water or they've moved up a level and it's their first B100 or something. But you can just never know. And I think that's why it's best for us just to keep shooting and try and get as many good images as we can because you're never quite sure what it's going to mean to someone. Yeah, and I and, and so we're on event photography now, which is great because I wanted to get onto that because there is a whole, like we say, a whole other mindset. So, but obviously with portraiture or commercial, you, you get the chance to brief with the client, 
um, you know, find out what it is that they want, check in that you're aligned with that and all that kind of side of things. But event photography, now this is a whole <laughs> other ball game. And actually what's really interesting with you as well, Charlotte, is that a lot of photographers will pick a, a, a niche and they'll do that. So they will either be an event photographer or a wedding photographer or a mm. commercial photographer. But you actually do a whole mix of them, don't you? Yeah, and I think some it's quite, you get some people who are the school of thought like, you must niche. You must just do one thing and that's it. And my argument is, yes, but if I can be good at a few things, why aren't I allowed to be good at a few things? You don't tell an event writer that they should just do dressage. No, you definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, but I quite like doing the cross-country show jumping, actually. I mean, you look yeah. at Mickey Young doing Grand Prix show jumping, dressage and eventing, you just think, oh my gosh, like, yeah. insane. Now, I'm not saying I'm the Michael Young of photographers in any stretch. Um, but I think it's perfectly possible to be able to do a few things well. Um, and for me, I like the variety. I genuinely yeah. love doing all the different things. I absolutely yeah. love dance photography. Mm. A couple of weeks of each year, barring COVID, I, I'll be found photographing at dance festivals for young kids who are starting their journey through going up the grade through dance. Because for me, it, it mirror dressage a little bit you know similar the timing and things and it's something different and it hones your skills as well if you're doing all these different things you can learn something in one style of photography that you can carry through to another so it's always worth trying now at some point I might eventually niche down further and really focus on something because I've accumulated so much information and technique and you think you know what I'm just going to focus on this one thing for a bit but I, I would always advise people not to don't niche too soon because you never know. There might be something you haven't tried yet that might be your thing. You think something's your thing, but just try a few different things and just see what you can learn because there's so much knowledge out there. You know, there could be a rugby photographer that's given me a great tip or you know other dance photographers and things like that that all the information pulls together. And I just think the more I can learn, the better the photographer I can be. Mm, I love that. Okay, so event photography. Then this is fascinating. Not not from a technical <laughs> perspective at all, because you know it's like you said, it's a completely different skill to portraiture or commercial. But what is the mindset of a good event photographer? Do you think because it is a, a completely different ball game, isn't it? Yeah, it it really is. I think the most important thing is. Now, this is something some people have to learn, some people have it naturally. Being able to think on your feet and being able to stay calm when you're faced with things going wrong. Because things always, always go wrong. You may not always see it. It's a bit like the duck on the water scenario with the feet paddling like crazy underneath. But quite often, when you're all doing your rounds and you see your photos an hour later online, great, fantastic. What you don't know is that the generator's shut down one of the cameras broke and someone had to run out on course take a backup camera all oh, these things happen they'll always happen because the amount of moving parts involved it's inevitable and lucky for me i've had a background in i've done a lot of team sport and a lot of things when i was at school like live theater and stuff where things used to go wrong all the time and then i had three years as an officer cadet when i was at uni which really teaches you to deal with terrible situations things going wrong planning and preparation all that kind of stuff so I think that's what's made 
my life a lot easier is just being adaptable and in the face of everything just going horribly wrong thinking okay what can I do about this me panicking will not help the situation so what are we going to do um and then obviously there's the skill element which you can teach people but trying to teach people to not panic in the face of a a crisis things like that that's really hard with the short time we have to gel as a team and work together and I think for me it's the teams that have been working together longest and start to know each other and know each other's strengths and weaknesses that's when you build that really good base and you've got a good team who complement each other as with all things really you know photography anything it's working together to make it happen and obviously one of the the obvious challenges aside from what you've been talking about there which is yeah i mean most people have no idea that so many things go around behind the scenes and and like you i used to do um technical element of theater productions people had not a clue what was going on behind the scenes yeah. and the show went on yeah um, that might it's fine just plug the things around send someone with a new one don't panic it's all good <laughs> they will keep never smiling know. just keep <laughs> yeah, smiling just yeah and I mean, most people don't really notice the photographers apart from if they're in the way of the jump or something. But, you know, most people don't really notice. Like you say, you're kind of that stealth mode. Aren't you? You're kind of you're there doing an important job, but they but you don't want to be noticed at the time. It's like the behind the scenes, the people in the back T-shirts on the on the, you know, on the stage, isn't it? It's like they're, they're doing a really important job, but you don't want to know they're there. And that's half the skill of it as well, isn't it? Is is doing your thing well, but being out of the way of it. So yeah, that, that's where knowing horses comes in, actually. Yeah. being in a show jumping ring and not getting run over that definitely helps when you've ridden yourself and you go in the jump off they might go there I'm just going to go and stand outside the ring because <laughs> I because it's risky um so that really helps and I think you're right like, I don't want the rider to be looking at me and not what, looking at their jump you know it, and it's interesting some riders are trot passing at the start of a show jumping round, for example and be and smile and I'll say good luck and you can see the riders that want that interaction and then you've got others who are just so in the zone and I know to stay completely quiet because they clearly don't want me to talk to them they don't want to know I'm there and that's fine and that comes from a having ridden myself and knowing that feeling I was I was a really chilled out rider I'd be like having a laugh and a joke and whatever with them um but I know there are some people who, and I think we've spoken about this in some of your previous lives with other riders about competitions, some people need to be that focused and they don't want to know anything else that's going on outside what they're doing right now. And so, I mean, do you ever get that rider that says, don't take any photos of me or don't click near me and, and you just go, okay, yeah. no problem. Do you still do you still do it? Do you still take a few candid ones in case they want it or do you do as you told and get completely I otherwise? usually talk to the judge. So especially at affiliate competition and this is something I try and do beforehand check with the judge because things like dressage I've had BD judges turn around to me saying no you need to click for that horse like you've done for every other horse otherwise it's not fair it's not a level playing field if they've come and said don't take a photo of me and so I'm sat there silently they're not getting the same environment riding so what I would do in that instance is I take photos of the floor at the same time I would have been taking photos of the rider so they get the noise but they don't get the actual photos of them because they expressly asked not to have a photo of them taken which is fine it might be for GDPR reasons there might be privacy concerns you never know 
but to level the playing field, the noise was still there for all the horses. So, and it's difficult because, like you say, you get some people who say it, like, did they really mean it though? It, I've had ones where they, the, the pony allegedly has been scared of the camera. I've never known a horse that has come into a ring and genuinely been scared of a camera or a photographer. But the parent had got it in their head that that was an issue for the child on the pony. So I have no choice but to just step out of the way because I don't want to be blamed if something does happen and they're convinced it was because they were spooking at me. So it's towing the line. And I think at different levels of competition, it's different, which is why I think just talking to the judge and being sure really helps because I know at top higher level competition, affiliate competition, it's more about them having the same environment. And you get, you know, pro riders, you get to a certain level, you're going to be photographed. There'll be press photographers, multiple press photographers there, event photographers there. It's just going to happen. And I think it's a condition on most entry forms where you you agree to be photographed. So unless you expressly tell the secretary, no, I don't want my photos taken, and then they will pass that on to us, that we don't know any different. Yeah. Now, it's really interesting that, isn't it? Because, I mean, I've been at, you know, I used to run regionals and things and um, been at BD regionals and stuff, behind, you know, as part of the team doing it, not necessarily as a rider. And, you know, people have gotten annoyed because the cameraman's in the wrong place or something. It's yeah. like, well, they've been there for all of those tests. We can't suddenly now not have them there for you. That's not fair. So, yeah, it's something that people don't really think about as well. The other element that I think is fascinating about events photography is this mindset of you've got one shot. Mm. um it's particularly with cross country you know over in a blink of an eye how do you deal with the stress and the pressure more so at you know like you say jumping events and things like that as opposed to necessarily the dressage how do you deal with the pressure of getting the shot I think it's over over the course of a number of years it's learning to understand that you will not get it 100% of the time and just come in terms of that things happen cameras freeze up and do weird things the rain comes down at the wrong time and your lens stops working stuff does happen but we've always got a contingency there's usually three three cross-country photographers so you just have to bank on the fact that the other photographers have got a good shot that horse because if you get too hung up on the fact that you missed number 52 over your fence you're then not focusing for the next 10 riders and you're not going to be getting the best shots of them. And it's a knock on effect. So unfortunately it does happen. And we, we hate it when it happens. And we're really sorry for the riders. If we, for whatever reason, we don't get the shot, but it, that's, that's the nature of event photography. Unfortunately, you cannot guarantee it's all going to go perfectly. All we can do is do our best and then just keep doing our best throughout the day. And if something, if a mistake happens, we learn from it. And I mentioned before about backup cards, for example, which is a real big one for me. Um, as you probably know, with event photography, the cards are collected throughout the day, get loaded on computer, and then they go back into circulation. And what usually happens is the photographer then gets a new card in the camera, formats it, starts shooting again. And sometimes it does happen that somehow the card, wrong card came back, it hadn't seen the computer, the photos get deleted. Now, I always have a backup card and most of the people I work with have a backup card. And if I'm working with someone that 
doesn't, I will badger them until they get a backup card. Because then you know you've got the whole day's photos there, all saved. So if a, one of the other cards does go missing or gets corrupt or get accidentally deleted, you've got that contingency plan. And that, for me, takes so much of the stress out of it. Because you go, it's fine, I've got those photos. We haven't lost 10 riders jumping that amazing massive trachea. I've got a backup, it's fine. And so and it's this kind of preparation, isn't it, that, that helps with performance. It's, 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 there's so many. It's really interesting. There are so many things that you're talking about here that we talk about in riding performance that actually when it comes to photography performance, you know, getting that great shot um, and, and having you know, whatever, you know, performance is. It's about, you know, the winning shot is the one that people want. They want to ideally buy, especially if it's a business, but that captures that moment. And there's so much. Um, similarity between the the rider mindset you know the sports person mindset and the photographer mindset which i have to say i had no idea was the case at all so knowing because i know you've watched a lot of my stuff obviously i work mm. with you guys um what would you say are some of the sort of the similarities that you've definitely noticed between getting a great shot and the mindset of riding and obviously being a rider yourself what what are the kind of things like you know flow or um uh, clearing your mind or any of that stuff what are the similar kind of things that you find as a photographer that you find really helpful to bring into into your photography I think definitely visualization so you know especially for more controlled shoes like portrait commercial seeing it happen and visualizing how you're going to make it happen but also for the more ad hoc things having plan a b c d and having worked through them, you know, thought ahead and gone, well, all these things could go wrong, but this is how I'm going to mitigate them. And having that flexible mindset of, well, I'm going to bounce to plan B then, or plan C. It's fine. And I'm a pretty laid back person, and I literally just go with the flow. I know some people aren't like that and don't think like that, but for me, that's what helps me to do that job I do is to just keep going with what's in front of me and not stressing if things don't go exactly to the plan. I love a plan, but I'm, I'm always planning for 20 million different possibilities and not having a meltdown if it doesn't go exactly how I planned it. Because I know if I try and micromanage things too much, it hampers the creativity. And I think it's the same with well, it's like when you're riding because you're working with a horse and you cannot tell the horse what your plan is and that he's got to do exactly this thing at this time because they don't. It's just, you know, that's how they are. They've got their own mind. And it's a little bit like that with the photography. There's another element there that you just, you're never going to be able to control. So you just have to work with what's in front of you. Yeah, and, and, you know, especially in what you do where you've got animals. So I know you did a gorgeous puppy shoot the other day. It must have been great. But, I mean, that must just be, like, you can't set it up that much, surely, because the little what's-its don't do what you want. Um, you know, horses, dogs, animals, even people don't always do what you want. And then we add in the element of the weather as well. How do yeah. you deal with the weather? Well, we get Especially that. at we'll our photo that. shoot, you do as much indoors as you could, I think. But, We're yeah. a bit like farmers, are we complain when it's too sunny we complain when it's too rainy <laughs> so for a photographer 
the weather we really, really want is light cloud. No wind, no rain, no strong sun, because strong sun equals shadows, which is bad. We just want nice, lightly cloudy days. Now, let's be honest, we never get that. Well, we very rarely get exactly what we want. Like the other day, I was at an event, it was like it is today, blazing sunshine, horrible shadows, and we then have to keep moving around the jump to try and not be shooting into the sun. And there's all those other factors, that you, and you just have to do your best with what you've got. Um, obviously, rain is a nightmare. We've all got these ugly plastic covers that go on our cameras that make it really hard to see through your viewfinder. So you've got no idea what you're shooting half the time, but you just frame it up and do the best you can and try not to let your camera get drowned because that's our worst nightmare. And it, again, it just comes down to having all eventualities. The boot of my car is just full of sun cream, hats, woolly hats, waterproof hats, wellies, waterproof coat, everything, towels, the works, a full spare set of clothes that just lives in there because you never know. <laughs> the wonderful well, British weather. And again, weather, that's like just, being a horse rider, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just have everything because you, you just don't know. Except your car's going to be messy and live with it and just have everything. I'd rather have everything in there and it be a bit messy than clean my car and go, oh, well, now I haven't got my cap and my sun cream and I've got sunburn and be really sad. I literally did that the other day. As you know, I got my new car. It was lovely and it all looks gorgeous and everything. And I took all the stuff out of my old car and I thought, oh, I don't need that in there and I don't mm. need that in there. And then I was driving someone the other day and I thought, don't have a waterproof coat with me. Why did I take that out? And that's yep. so unlike me to have done that. So the first thing that went straight back in, I've got gorgeous boot bags now as well. They're amazing. So they go in the boot of your bag, uh, boot of your car, and they hold loads of those stuff, and they all zip up, and they're all branded and gorgeous. I Lovely. highly recommend them to you. I'll show you. I'll show you mine at some point. Right. Okay. So anyway, we're on to how to organise the boot of your car now, which is kind of slightly off track. <laughs> I've got a couple of questions that I did really want to ask you, and actually, Alice has asked one that I wanted to ask you, but I wanted to get to the right point in which to do it, which is. Mm -hmm. I'm always saying to people, get rid of the videos and the photographs of the falls, because mm. what happens is they keep it in your memory. They keep it in your mind. It's not a good idea. You, you actually help strengthen the neural pathways. But as you were saying with Jasmine's horse, when she was bucking along that test and you took the photos and she did buy them, people actually do buy them. So how do you deal with that when you capture an incident or a fall? How do you deal with whether or not you ought to put that up available to buy? You know, that sort of element of it, especially now having, you know, been around me and hearing all the things that I say about it. Has that made a difference or do you just ignore that and carry on anyway? <laughs> it's, it's, this is a question. So I'm in a few photography groups, as you can imagine how fun they are. Um, this is a question that came up recently, actually, about do you delete the full photos? Now, having been in this situation before, and a lot of other photographers I know have also, we keep them initially because sometimes a vet or doctor could really benefit from those photos. We can capture split seconds and the moment a horse or rider hits the floor, not always very nice to look at, but it could be life-saving because they can see something, see the way the rider or the horse has landed that can inform them on their treatment of that individual. But what we probably will then do is not put them online and we'll put them in another folder away. And then if the riders then comes back and asks to see it, we can have, make them available. But I I personally haven't had it. I know the photographers had where they've been burned in the past. They put 
photos out there and then got a slap on the wrist from a pony club district, district commissioner who said, you know, why have you put the photos of that child having that horrible fall online? In, you know, it's it's not the done thing. You, why would you do that? So it's a case. It depends on the situation. If someone's been hurt, the horse or rider's been hurt, then I then generally no, because why would you want to put that out there? Um, press photographers is a whole different kettle of fish. I mean, we've all seen the photos of the top riders having these horrible crashing falls that end up, especially if it's someone like Zara, splashed on the Daily Mail. But they've got a different purpose. You know, they're there to document, and unfortunately, as with the other, all sports things like F1 crashes, it's the same thing. That sells because it's the drama. But I think... Yeah, and it's a bit like the football the other day, isn't it? Where yeah, the BBC he, got told off for filming... You know, yeah, the guy it's, it's having the heart attack. But it's news. It's, yeah, it's really hard. So I think for us, keeping them on the off chance that they're useful for a technical reason, but, you know, use our judgment about putting them online. Sometimes it's things like when people end up hanging around the horse's neck and then landing on their feet. That's, you know, fairly inoffensive. Um, so it's just about making their judgment call. And if you're not sure, err on the side of, don't put it up and if the rider emails going, I really, really want to see the photo of me falling off. Yeah, okay, then if you, if you really want to, we could put them online for you, but let them make that call. And I think that sort of ties yeah. in what you you recommend. You know, if they really, really, really want to see it or even just want to see it once, we can show them. But if they've thought about it and gone, you know what, I don't want to relive that, then fine. They don't have yeah. to. We're not going to shove it out and there for them to have to look at it. And I think it's really important, though, that you guys as photographers understand the reason why it's not a good idea, um, because I think a lot of people don't realise just how much a video or a photo actually gets literally captured in our brain. And the more we look at it, the 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 easier it is for our brain to recall that moment. And, and just knowing that little bit of information would be really helpful mm. for a photographer or videographer to know why perhaps it's not a good idea to have it so readily available but if someone really wants it then that's a, that's their choice it's a different thing yeah okay so a couple of just quick questions to finish off with for you then who's your hero in sports photography and why Ooh, i think probably for me it's nico morgan who if you're an equestrian you've probably seen a lot of his work in horse and hound he's based not far from me actually in rutland um he's, he just happens to be a photographer i followed for a very long time and does a lot of equestrian sport has written some really helpful blogs on the subject. And when I was first starting out, I, I would look at his work and think, okay, well, that's what I need to aspire to. So that's someone who's really inspired me and really helped me along my photographic journey, really. Cool. Okay. Never heard of him, but I'm sure I'd probably, like you say, you'd know the photos when you see them. Yeah. Um, and then if you could shoot any sports, what would it be and why? Ooh. what haven't I shot I think things like gymnastics at the high level like the rhythmic gymnastics which is similar to dance which I really enjoy um, or figure skating mm -hmm. anything where people do routines and make amazing shapes and do amazing leaps and you try and capture them at the point of the jump or the amazing movement that kind of stuff I absolutely love it's a real challenge, but that's what makes it fun. Awesome. So it sounds to me, Len, that the things that you absolutely love are capturing that split second moment of movement. Yeah. Is or emotion and or both, ideally. Yeah. 
yeah awesome. that's 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 what for me is the is the challenge and the joy because the feeling you get when it does when it pans out and you nail it is amazing awesome well i mean i can't wait to see some more photos coming out and the guys anyone who sees these beautiful not the ones that i take for selfie of myself you know uh, gorgeous photos coming out on my social media now you know it's from these guys and it was charlotte behind the lens and alice no doubt waving something around to make me the dog the horse or someone look at her or laugh um particularly if you don't you know if you're not that confident or you don't particularly like i mean i'm not a massive fan of my smile and people like getting me to actually smile in a genuine way it looks it looks fine when i'm smiling it's like that's your smile but i'm like oh it's all teeth i don't like it you know and so having someone say something you laugh and then you get the mm -hmm. photo and you look at the photo and you go oh okay actually yeah you can see that i was enjoying myself i get that now so yeah. i think it's so important that you get the right photographer you get the right team around that photographer and and if you want to really capture that moment that that you're aware of, that there's a lot more goes into it than just mm -hmm. quoting a camera yeah <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte. If people want to get hold of you or they want to find out about where you are next or um, maybe, you know, um, book you for some photography or anything, how do they do that? So for equestrian work and canine work, I'm Charlotte Colley Creative on all the socials. And then for the commercial stuff, it's Heard It Here Creative, which is where you'll find me and Alice doing our tag team spiel. Um, yeah, so Charlotte Colley Creative or Heard It Here Creative. And if you message one about the other thing, I can cross you over. It's fine. Yeah. Just contact awesome. me one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte. It's been absolutely fascinating hearing about the other side of the lens and some of the things that we don't normally think about are involved in photography. We think you just stand there and take pictures, but we we know you're real people now. We know. <laughs> So thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, and I look forward to seeing more of your work as time goes by. Brilliant. Thank you for having me on, Jenny. Bye. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone. You got this, you know you're gonna rock this